just kind of before we get into the lesson, I just at the end of every uh, lesson, we offer an invitation. And it's for those who would like to obey God's word and be baptized. Now, I want you to understand that baptism is not our goal. Change lives, saves lives are our goal. But if we go according to God's word, about the first step you make is you acknowledge his name. And you surrender to his name. That's what we call that repentance. And the baptism, is according to God's word, not according to Mark, but baptism is for the remission of sins. I've said that so many different places. It's where you enter in fellowship with Christ. You clothe yourself with Christ. And so I hope that when that time comes, if yet is your decision and your choice, I hope that you'll make it and understand that outside of Christ, there is no hope. There is no purpose. There is no meaning of life. Okay, well, we're talking about dining with Jesus this morning. This whole lesson is going to come out of Luke chapter 14. Of you, But when I was a boy, I used to hear all the Bible stories about Jesus. You see the paintings, you see the drawings, you might have, you know, had to color, you color your own drawings, I guess. He's a friendly guy, he's a smiling, gentle man, he liked to have children around. And that does reflect a whole lot of different Bible stories that you will read in the Gospels about him. Then I got a little bit older, and when, then when you start reading more about Jesus as you get older, I started finding some other things about him. He cleared the temple one time, and kind of goes almost against everything you heard as a child about him. You know, he just looked like somebody who had just sat around and smiled at children, and here he is making a, a, a whip of cords and clearing out the, the temple and overturning tables and chasing out the buyers and the sellers there. But at the same time, I still like that Jesus, because this is a Jesus who is angry at the same kind of religious scandals that I found offensive. So far, so good. Jesus and I were a whole lot alike. I think Jesus and I could be good friends. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite Jesus to have dinner at my place. He's going to be my special guest of honor and I'm going to invite all my friends over to meet with my new best friend, Jesus of Nazareth. But there's a problem with the scenario I just presented to you. Because Jesus is really not that much like me, and he's not that much like you. Jesus is from a different world than I am. And he's so different that I really, I don't really quite understand exactly who he is. It's time to get the facts right for us this morning as we talk about this Jesus, or Joshua, that would be his Hebrew name. So Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the son of Mary and the son of Joseph. He's a guy with calloused hands from hard work, a working man just like some of us. The problem is, he's nothing like me. He's actually God. And we have that when we read what it tells us in the Gospel of John, he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Read all the way down there to verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or walked among us. So when I've invited Jesus to dinner, it's God sitting at the dinner table with me. It's the God that I have invited all my friends to come and meet. And God is no respecter of persons. And God will be God wherever God is. 
Romans kind of points this out for us because Paul says this about God. He says, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. If you understand what that verse is actually saying, it's saying God's going to be God regardless of who you are, regardless of the situation, regardless of your pleas. You see, you and I, well, we're imperfect. You know, we are, we're very flawed beings. And I might want to judge you harshly on some things, but I, most of us that come to church don't really do it that much. You know, we're accused of it by the world. You know, all those judgmental people, you know, the favorite cry of the world is don't judge me. Well, we really don't judge that much because one of the biggest problems, because if I start pointing out your problems, you might point out mine. And sometimes it's just easier just to live and let live and don't say a whole lot of things. Not so with Jesus. And I've invited God to my dinner. That introduction, in some ways, could fit with Luke chapter 14. Because in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is invited to what's called a Shabbat. The Shabbat is the Sabbath dinner that evening, on the Sabbath evening. And, the, and this particular Shabbat is at the home of a Pharisee. So it's at a very popular place. It's at a very well-known place. It'd be a good place to be. And you kind of have to understand what Luke is presenting as he draws this picture for us. Now, if this was you and I actually being you know, invited to this Shabbat, it's a big thing to be invited. And not only to just, you know, it's one thing if you get invited to the Shabbat of Mark, but it's another one when you get invited to the, the most powerful man and all of the, the village that you live. The wealthiest man. So you're going to wash thoroughly. You're going to wear clean robes. You put some oil in your hair. And you're kind of nervously excited because you are entering the house of this Pharisee. And he has honored you with an invitation to his Sabbath dinner, his Shabbat. Maybe you're one of those people who think, well, I, of course you would invite me. I deserve to be there. Or maybe you're kind of surprised and honored the fact that you get to be there. Uh, it's going to be good. The dinner hopes to be a joyful time. It hopes to be good food, prayers, songs. And it's going to be a, what a good Jew would say, a blessed evening for all of us. It's a good feast. In a celebration like this, what you really want is the host. You want everything to go well. No hiccups, as we would say. Unfortunately, if you're reading through Luke chapter 14, lo and behold, there's a man there with dropsy. It must have been a pretty bad condition because it was obvious to everybody that he had dropsy. Probably hard to walk. It's probably hard to stand. Probably hard to stand still. What you do at a situation like this just ignore him, maybe he'll go away. You see, part of the problem with these Shabbats is, although you invite your special guest, tradition is it's kind of an open dinner. So even if I'm not invited, I can show up. Now, there might not be a seat for me. The seats have already been taken by those to whom they were assigned to. But you could kind of wander in the door and kind of walk around the back of the table, say your hellos and your greetings, maybe reach over and take a piece of bread. 
and then you just kind of move. It's almost like a, a line of you know people that would come in and out and just kind of drop in and then go on maybe to whatever Shabbat they were really invited to. So it's a very public meeting. And here's this man with dropsy. Nobody invited him. Nobody wants to notice him. They want to ignore him. The problem is you invited God to dinner. You invited God to the Shabbat. And God notices him. God sees him. God, here's the problem with God. He always sees. Sometimes we get a little judgmental about God. We, we're real good at judging God because, well, wait a minute, God, you see these things, but you don't necessarily do anything about them. Because the way I understand the omniscient nature of God, he sees wars. You don't always have a firm sign that he's intervening in those wars. He knows how much my back hurts. Why doesn't he send me a miracle? He sees the hospitals. He knows about homeless people under the bridge, and he knows about those people that cry late into the night. Here's the problem with that judgment of God. We see the same things that God sees. And for some reason, we think it's his problem, but it's not my problem. It's not our problem. But in Luke chapter 14, we invited God to our dinner, to our Shabbat. And so Jesus, looking at this man and looking at the crowd, he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, that kind of a question in a Bible class, we can get comfortable with that and we can debate. We can even divide and take sides. There's only one problem with making this a religious debate today. The man with dropsy is standing there while Jesus asks the question. And there's no friendly, lively debate this time because the problem is the man with the swollen limbs and the pained look on his face is right there in the room with you. This is not a doctrinal issue. This is life. And I think sometimes in today's church, that's one of the problems or challenges we have is we, we need to be facing the problems of, of life and not just make everything a religious issue. And until our faith and our daily walk touches lives of other people, we don't have faith. We have religion. And that day in Luke chapter 14, that's what was going on. They had religion. They did not have life or faith. Putting it personal for myself, it's not too long ago I had a conflict with a brother. It wasn't even in this country. And I got really frustrated with the guy. No technical sin issue was there. But there was an uncompromising insistence for things to go his way. And I knew his way was wrong. I knew it was not the best way. And I got so frustrated, I just wanted to walk away. And I thought, you know, if he's going to be that difficult, <laughs> he can sink on his own. Unfortunately, now, I have to revert that. Fortunately, there was a sister at church there. Small little girl. About the size of Morgan. Very intimidating. And she spoke softly. She just said to me, and she, she didn't even realize she was criticizing me. She just was speaking about the problem in general. And she says, we have all these Bible lessons about patience. But when we have a situation where we need to be patient, we seem to forget about all those lessons. 
She didn't mean to hammer a nail through my spine, but that's what it felt like. And I still feel the sting of those words today because all of a sudden, faith became life, not doctrine, not religion. I'm glad that sister was there speaking gently. I was not in the mood to hear it. And I think had it been in any bolder tongue, I probably wouldn't have heard it. Because I was right, and I'll tell you to this very day, I still am right, but right was not the point. Patience was a frustrating brother. That was what the point was that day. So you go back to Luke 14. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about life. There's a man with dropsy. And Jesus makes the point. He says, because they're wanting to say, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath or not? And then Jesus finally, because nobody will answer. Again, the man with dropsy is right there. How do you, how do you respond? He says, if you had an ox and it fell on the well, would you check your calendar before you went to rescue the ox? No. You would rescue it. What about this man? Today we read this, and sometimes we make the wrong application when we go through this story in Luke. We talk about, well, we're the Christians. We, we go to church on Sunday. We don't go on the Saturday. We don't observe the Sabbath. That's not the point. That's not what the point was then or now. What the point was of Jesus is saying here is that people matter more than rules. The gospel is life. If not, it's worthless. That's what matters more than anything else. People. So now let's get back to the Shabbat. Because Jesus really has a way of making things uncomfortable. Kind of ruined the whole mood there, didn't he? But unfortunately, at this point, Jesus is now watching to see the way people... Remember I said some people are invited, some people just kind of show up. And... They're jockeying for position, basically. Who gets the place of honor and who gets the second place of honor? And on down the line, all the way to that who has the least amount of honor. But at least you were invited and you're not like the man with dropsy standing there. Oh, the man who Jesus cured also. So Jesus notices how the people are taking their seats at this Shabbat. The important people take the important seats. And, and there's a pecking order to everything there. And... Start with those that are most important by the head of the table and work all the way down to the least. Do you understand what's taking place? The Shabbat, if you remember what this is about, this is the Passover supper. This is the one that celebrates their freedom from Egypt when they all marched out as one. But here we are celebrating the meal, not as one, but it's a pride and honor parade, not commemorating their feast, their exit from Egypt. They walked out together, but now they're saying who's the most deserving by the way they even sit. But can you imagine? Can you imagine that instead of those who have more authority using their position to better themselves, and, and here's the reality, there are people in society, even in this church, who have more authority, more influence, more respect. It's just reality in any community. But imagine if you were one of those people that had that position. And in this house, it's especially the owner of the house, right? <clears throat> but imagine if you were one of those people who has that great influence, that great power, that great ability. But you use it not in order to promote yourself to an honor position. 
but you actually use it to honor other people. You use it to encourage the quiet, the shy, the poor, and you ask them to step up to a better place. Well, let's go on an airplane now instead of at the Shabbat. You want chicken or pasta? I've been flying to Europe now once a year, twice a year, sometimes three times a year. And I'm not sure how it is on the way over there, but I can definitely tell you on Delta flights on the way back. Here's the first question, about two hours up in the air, and they feed you. And here comes the flight attendants. And the question they ask you is, chicken or pasta? Because those are the two meals that are being offered. Guess what? Everybody takes the chicken. Uh, last time I was on the plane, she said, chicken or pasta? And I looked at her and said, I'm going to be different today. I'm going to take the chicken. <laughs> she almost fell on the floor. Because she knows what happens. The people in the front of the plane all get the chicken. By the time it gets to the back of the plane, there's nothing left. They don't say chicken or pasta when they get to that last ten rows. They say, we got pasta. <laughs> That's all you get. Well, at a meal of God's people, the pagan gets the chicken, and you, the believer, the saint, might end up with a pasta. I know a few of you would have ordered the pasta anyhow, but I've never seen you on my flight. Do you understand the point, though? You have the choice. Because of where I sat on the airplane, I always get the choice of what's best. Can you imagine that because of who you are as a Christian, you have the choice of what is best, but you surrender that, you give it to another and so Pete, Jesus talks about that. He not only talks about the way they sit, he also talks about who you invite to your meals. He says, invite the outsider, invite the one that's not so welcome, the one that's poorly dressed, the one that otherwise you might just have passed by. He says, invite the cripple, invite the lame, the blind. Get the point? That person that you might not notice you and I must force ourselves, make the actual unnatural choice to love people by our actions. We love actions. We show through our love of actions. And the question is, when you do a loving action for somebody, are they going to bless you or are they going to praise you? That's never the question that Jesus even asks in the parable that he tells them. And in fact, they might get the chicken, and you might not even get the pasta. And the worst thing about that, when you do something nice, somebody, nobody might notice. But it's what's right, it's what's blessed, and it's what blesses other people. And what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 14 in the house of this Pharisee is that the Shabbat, we honor God, not ourselves. And the Shabbat represents life. God sets you free from your slavery. Who do you honor? Well, this has become a very uncomfortable dinner. How much, you know, can we just get on with this dinner? And it's almost as if to break the ice, you keep reading, you get down to verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 15. Somebody there at the table just breaks out and says, Blessed is everyone who eats, who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Well, remember we invited God to dinner. So now Jesus tells a parable. 
And it's a parable about dining with the master. And in this parable, he invites the guests, but one after another, they excuse themselves. So the master becomes angry and frustrated. And he sends out his servants. And he says, you go out and invite people from the streets. You go out into the alleys and find them and bring them in. For I tell you that none of those, none of those who are invited shall taste of my dinner. You read that verse like that, and I think a foolish person today thinks that what the parable is talking about is whether or not you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, or whether or not you get baptized. That's not what Jesus is speaking about. What he's talking about is what kind of life do you live? The feast is our choice of faith here and now. Are you so busy with life of your own that you cannot or will not walk with God daily. Because when Jesus invites you to his feast, he says you come. And if you won't make him a part of your life here and now, he won't make you a part of his life for eternity. These Jews couldn't even celebrate the Shabbat to honor God. It was just impossible for them. Religion was about them and not about other people. When you live your life with a master, when, your walk walks with, when you walk in faith with him, that's what life is about. But if you think that you can have life here and faith here in two separate compartments, what Jesus is actually saying is you have walked away from the dinner with the master and you're walking away from him daily. When God sits at the table, it's no longer about you. It's not about what you want. It's about others. Go home today and this week and read slowly over Luke chapter 14 and see just how uncomfortable it is when you invite Jesus to dinner because he's not a respecter of persons. And what his message is for us as Christians 2,000 years later is the same message it was in the house of that Pharisee. Don't come to God for a blessing. Walk with God and you become someone else's blessing. Dinner with Christ, dinner with God, life with God is understanding his heart, his love, his ways. Not about ourselves, not about our pride, not about our own personal wants and desires. But just as Jesus came, to save the lost and to serve man, so do we. If that's not your life, it needs to change now. And if you've actually never put on Christ in the first place, you've never obeyed the gospel call, he calls you to live with him. And so when we tell you, you know, you know come down, confess his name before men, make that change, that repentance, be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. So it's it's what, what it says in Romans. You, you're buried with Christ in baptism, and you're raised in an innocent of life. It's not just an outward sign of an inward faith. It's an obedience to God's command. And 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism now saves you. Open your Bible and see if I'm wrong. But what it is, 
is a call for an introduction to a new way of life, where your life is walking with God. You dine with Him daily, you walk with Him daily, you live with Him constantly. From now until He calls us home, whatever you need, as you come now, as we stand and sing. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul.